Hello, my name is White Claw. And my name is Champagne. And welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, actually hosted by Kristen. And Sarah. Sorry, guys, we just had to get that free promo in there, you know? How else How <laughs> else are they going to notice us and know where to send the free alcohol to? But As if they listen to us, but... You know what? One day, I'm manifesting right now, and do you know what manifestation does? If you haven't, check out that one episode. It does things. <laughs> but yeah... <laughs> We are back. I it's my turn to talk, so get ready. Um kind of like I wanted to copy Sarah a little bit, kind of how she's been <laughs> traveling places and finding little stories to tell about the places that she's traveled to. I wanted to do the same when Ooh. I recently traveled. I was in Corpus like a couple of weeks ago. But me being me, I completely forgot to ask anybody about any <laughs> thing that went on in that town um but thankfully the last night that we were there we went out to a taco place and then my friend took me out to this park and she knows about the podcast uh listens to it i hope (laughs) (laughs) but um it was like a really pretty park we were having a really beautiful moment and then she's like it's really nice and all but i just can't help but think about the thing that happened like right over there and i look over i'm like what do you mean that thing that happened right over there and then she proceeds to tell me the most fucked up story that I just heard. So, uh, yeah, today we are going to be talking about the case of Molly Olgan and Mary Christine Chapa. Oh. So bad it made me drink again. So I recommend getting something strong or getting something that will bring you comfort. Um, just <laughs> a trigger warning for this case before we start. It does involve some hate crime aspects as well as some sexual assault on top of just being violent and terrible. So that's not your type of jam. Go ahead and jam on out. Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I have to try, you know. We can be funny and serious as long as we're not being disrespectful, which we try not to be. But yes, so we are at the Violet Andrews Park in Portland, Texas, and I went there. I was just there, and it is truly really nice. Like, your own personal sound machine right in front of you, clouds for fucking miles. Like, it was definitely a nice little view, a nice little place to go and eat your breakfast taco before you make a long-ass drive back home. And it also makes the perfect setting for a date night, which a couple just so happened to be doing. On June 22nd of 2012, teenagers Molly Olgan, 19, and her girlfriend of five months, Christine Chapa, 18, had actually just missed a movie that they were planning on going to for the night. And so they were kind of driving around town, just didn't really know what to do. And Molly just so happened to mention that she had been baptized in an area that they were about to drive by. And why not for shits and gigs, just stop by that place and she can show her where it is. Like, Mm. 
Might as well. Molly was said to bring out Christine's crazy side in their relationship. Uh, There was one of their friends, Brittany Selby, I believe her last name was. Sorry if I'm wrong, girl. Like, like names are just not my thing. But uh, she was in one of the quick little, like, interview episodes that I watched from one of the major news networks. And she really described them as, like, never having a dull moment together. They had a really solid, like, tight-knit friend group, and it was described that Christine had the jokes and Molly had the car. Like, there's this one specific scene where uh, it's like a phone clip where Molly is singing to Spice Girls driving her car, and it just... And this happens in 2012, so Mm -hmm. it just takes me back to my high school days I would do the same exact thing just not with the Spice Girls but like Mm -hmm. the nostalgia and everything just came flooding back oh my gosh so on June 22nd of 2012 Christine and Molly had actually asked Brittany to hang out with them that night and Brittany had a volleyball game the next day so she told the girls no I'm, I'm gonna sit out this night and she's like crying in the interview because she states next that like I know if I would have been there things may have ended up a little differently mm-hmm. it would be the following morning just nine hours later that a couple named Christine and Stanley Seymour were taking a stroll through the park in order or in search of birds to photograph. They were having a cute daytime date of their own and had their camera out, and that was like a hobby that they liked to do is take photos of birds together. It was while stopping to take a photo of the Corpus Christi skyline that Christine was said to get a weird feeling. In her words, she said that my inner spirit just said that something was wrong. She would turn away from the skyline and begin to put her camera away when she said that she noticed something in the brush that cut that caught her eye. To her, it seemed like it was just a pile of trash or debris, but when she called her husband over, it would be her husband who noticed that it wasn't trash, it was actually two bodies that were laying oh. in the grass. Mm. The couple would immediately rush for help, and it would be first responder Travis Wiseman who would make it to the scene, and he described it as being completely horrifying. Their clothes had been torn off of their bodies and strewn about, and there was said to be blood and duct tape covering their mouth, hands, and eyes, and each woman had a clear gunshot wound to the back of their heads. Molly was laying on top of Christine while Christine was underneath with her arm wrapped around her, Mm. Molly. Travis would bend down to check the pulse of the first woman and find that she was cold and had no pulse at all. Molly Olgan, at just the age of 19, would be pronounced dead on scene. But when Travis went down to check Christine's pulse, something miraculous had happened. Christine actually sat up and began to moan in pain. The gunshot that had been left in both of the girls' heads had left both of them unidentifiable. So though Christine's license lay at the crime scene stating who she clearly was, and though I just described, you know, Molly and Christine and their placement and where they were, First responders and investigators had no idea who these girls initially were or which one was which during this time. 
Christine's family would spend the 20 minute drive in complete fear, not knowing really what they were going to meet at the hospital. When they were asked to go in to try and see who was who for the bodies, Christine's mom said that there was just like no way that she could have gone in to identify it. And she actually had the older sister, Grace, go in and identify the body, Christine, uh, because she was in a coma at this point. Like, Mm. she was not awake or conscious or anything. And when the sister went in to ultimately end up identifying Christine, she wasn't even able to do so by looking at her face. She had to look at her hands and feet. Finally, getting a positive ID on Christine and thereby telling Molly's family that unfortunately Molly was the one that was deceased. Christine would be placed into the intensive care unit where she began her recovery from the traumatic brain injuries that she had received from this gunshot wound to her head. I Like, the doctors were saying it was miraculous that she had even survived. Yeah, that is unimaginable, really. I When that is always, like, when people survive brain like gunshot wounds to the head i immediately am just like no way i understand that you're alive sitting here like telling me the story right now but there's just no way that you survived that i don't believe it it's it is mind-blowing how like tough the human body really truly is and how much it can really tolerate Mm mm-hmm After spending a few days, it was said, in a coma, when she finally awoke, she wasn't able to speak. Mm. She was only able to use simple sign language and a clipboard to write down some words in order to communicate with her family and investigators. Using this method, she was able to give a description of her attacker. They were able to make like a sketch composite of it. And she was able to give investigators some slight clues as to what she remembered from that night. She would tell police that though she did not know who her attacker was, it wasn't someone that she recognized, he did smell of cigarette smoke. And she did believe him to be around 5'8 or 5'9 in height. She also said that he was wearing gloves and they were specifically Under Armour gloves. She remembers mm. clearly seeing the logo on them when while she was being attacked. She would also go into detail over what happened that night. So I will give a trigger warning here. This is about to be very brutal. Christine would state that it wasn't even five minutes into Molly bringing her to the park and showing her the place where she got baptized that they were attacked. She stated that an an unrecognizable figure wearing black leather gloves and a mask approached them. He would begin to refer to them as girl number one and girl number two and shove a roll of duct tape into Christine's hands and have Christine roll or like tape Molly's hands together before somehow taping Christine's own hands together with that same roll of duct tape. Christine would say that the last words that they spoke to each other was asking each other if they were okay Mm. before the man would rape the two women 
and then proceed to take out a .45 Glock pistol. The attacker would position the gun just inches from Molly and Christine's heads before he would ultimately pull the trigger and put a bullet into each of their heads execution style. The shot would ring throughout the empty park and would get swallowed in the sound of the waves as Christine would state that everything around her would go black. Mm. A Corpus Christi crime scene investigator would be called onto the scene to help the Portland police. Though I believe, I mean, Portland's somewhat of a small town, but um, they brought in some bigger investigators to help in with the case. And when they did an initial investigation, they would find two .45 bullet casings. The first one would be found underneath Molly's body, and then the second one would be found directly behind her. There would also be several cigarette butts that would be found on scene, which Christine did say uh, during the questioning that her attacker did smell of cigarette smoke. So this immediately caught investigators attention they would take these cigarette butts and like try to put a rush notice to get dna testing on it and they also found a lot of different bottles they said like an iced tea bottle there were beer cans there were also unlabeled bottles but in one of the like video document documentaries that i watched it specifically said like a monster energy bottle was what was specifically said over and over in that so i guess that one was really like the one that they honed in on when news got out that this crime had happened a lot of the town kind of putting two and two together realizing that molly and christine were in a relationship kind of speculated that this may have been a hate crime Um, A lot of her friends would state that, you know, it wasn't far from their mind that even though it's 2012, people are still very ignorant during this time, though Christine's brother would ultimately tell reporters that I know that Texas has a lot of stereotypes, but South Texas really is a good place. You don't see a lot of hate crimes going on down here. You don't hear about gay bashing or anything like that, which I want to respect his words but at the same time yeah i think it's um it's everywhere yeah like Like, you never know when you're gonna run into somebody who just is an asshole yeah because of the tragedy and really the suspicion of a hate crime being involved it quickly gained national attention i think i slightly remember this happening though like reading these details it's really seems like a newer case in my mind um but there were vigils that were being held around the area for these two women uh they it was a really big devastation to the lgbtq community to the portland community to the corpus christi community to anyone and everyone who these two women's souls had touched like it was just truly a tragic case that seemed to have no rhyme or reason to it When police ran the cigarette butts and the bottles that were found at the crime scene, they actually did get a match to the DNA when they ran Mm. it. A Nevada man whose name was Dylan Spellman had come up as a match to the owner of the items that were found around the crime scene. Now, 
Dylan Spellman is like a very interesting character. Um, okay. He was apparently staying with a family friend in the Portland area, which just so happened to be three blocks away from the crime scene hmm. in June of 2012. He also had a pretty big rap sheet. Um, I didn't write this down, so I'm sorry. It really did get blurring in my mind. I don't know if he was in Portland because of an aggravated robbery that he had committed, but he was... Uh, in trouble and about to like be brought up on charges for this robbery that he committed. So he definitely had a record. He was a little suspicious. His his DNA just so happens to pop up at a crime scene. That's kind of big. And a woman just so happened to later testify that she would see Dylan with the girls around 9 p.m., she would say. She stated that she was walking her dog and Christine had even like bent down to pet the dog when the lady had walked by. And then the next day when the woman saw Christine and Molly's faces on the TV, she was like, oh, my God, I know them. But then apparently she never told police about it until later, which I was like weird. And then even more weird when we when not we when investigators ask Christine later about this incident where she goes down to pet the dog. She says that it didn't happen. Christine never pet a dog that night so right because she said that they immediately got attacked if she went to pet a dog that means they were standing around like talking time had and she said 9 p.m the i don't know if i had said this but the original attack so like gunshots were heard around 11 30 to midnight is what i'm getting for the time frame so 9 p.m like that's kind of a long time yeah to be from i mean it's really not but for you to hang around that area and then have the gunshots go off at 11 30 like it, it, it's just kind of weird and though we do see like a side by side i will try to post it sarah i'm so sorry i didn't get a screenshot mm. but just rely on my word you know <laughs> he looked like kind of similar to the composite sketch a little bit not gonna lie like i saw it and i was like when I get into it, I see him more so. So it's like, meh. But, but the only... He was wearing a mask, right? Yes. I don't know if maybe he took off the mask at some point. Well, Christine was never able to point him out in a lineup. Okay. Which, it's hard to point anyone in a lineup. Especially, I, I imagine, if you took a bullet to the head, you're not going to remember in the most clear pictures. So, like, I, I don't, like beat Christine up for not being able to pick him out. But the one thing that was very, I guess, differentiating was that Dylan was 6'3", and the original height of the attacker was said to be, like, 5'8", 5'9". Yeah, it's drastic. Pretty drastic. And, like, the DNA makes it really easy to point to homeboy Dylan to say, hey, your DNA is here. That means you did it. But really, that was all. And we have that one woman that said she saw him, which is like a little sketchy. But other than that, there's really nothing that ties Dylan to this case. And so honestly, the case kind of goes cold. They don't have a weapon that they found on him. There's no other evidence that they can bring up to say like, oh, you done did it. And 
honestly having evidence around a crime scene that like in a dylan, public park and dylan said that he had went to the park that night i think i say later on like his girlfriend testifies that like oh they went and had taco bell or something that night and like went and ate at the park so like it, it's not enough for you to just throw someone in jail and so the case kind of goes a little cold and so like for the next two years the town is just kind of whispering about like what potentially happened at violet andrews park in portland texas until a letter pops up at christine chapa's house oh it was said to be wrapped in a ziploc baggie and had the words i was told to deliver this or die I can't find her. Please help. Etched on it. When they opened the Ziploc baggie and opened the letter, what was inside was an account of what happened that night in great detail, including information that had yet to be released to the public. So when... Wait, so where did it say... That message, like, I was forced to deliver this. I couldn't find her. I'm so, whatever. So I wasn't able to find what they etched it on with, but I'm thinking, like, a Sharpie on top of the Ziploc baggie. Oh, okay. Like, me labeling my kids fucking lunch. They were just like, I was told to deliver this. Because the note came inside of a Ziploc bag. Yeah, so so I guess was left at their door. It didn't come in the mail. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't able... They did, I, I, okay, I get into the details of, like, how this letter was delivered and stuff, but, like, I, they find this letter in, like, a Ziploc bag, and obviously your mailman is not going to deliver. Right, that's what threw me off, because I just assumed that it came in the mail, and then you said Ziploc, and I was like, But I'm like, some people, I don't know how the homes in Portland are, like, some people have the mailbox, like, right outside their front home. Like, my neighborhood, you have to, like, go to a set place where all of your mailboxes are. Some people, they have them just, like, right in front of their home. So, in the letter said that the attacker was having a bad night with his wife at a Taco Bell, where an employee who Molly was said to have worked at Taco Bell. So, it said that one of the women that I guess he had seen messed up their order his wife's order, and that, like, made him angry. I also, in a later confession that we do get from this person that I will go into detail, but I didn't write it down, so I want to say it now. He says in a confession that, like, something about a Chili's, like, they're at a Chili's and they get an order wrong, or, like, um, they said something rude to his wife at a Chili's, and that's why he gets mad. So keep that in mind. But it, it's weird. I'm like, what the fuck? You need therapy. You yeah. need to learn anger management better. Why are men always so angry? Maybe we as society need to work on that. This person would also state in the letter that I guess after some time they had found Molly and Christine at the park where he ultimately attacked them. And in this letter, he referenced the woman's sexuality. So basically saying like, oh, I knew that they were lesbian and even went as far as calling them less than people, which fuck fuck you and don't ever listen to the show if you believe in that shit, because what? So this letter, even though 
it's kind of coming from like a POV kind of view. This letter is stating that this person is not the attacker. Okay. Instead, it is someone who heard the story from a man that lives in Utah. And he said that this man went up to him and told him this whole story and then said that I will give you $15,000 if you go ahead and kill Christine Choppa for me. The person writing this letter then said, you know, I won't do that. I will not kill Christine Choppa. I only kill child molesters or violent offenders. Huh. So I guess for him, like, murder isn't off the table. You just have to be a specific... So he was like a hitman. Yeah, and keep that in mind. The end of the letter, the author of this letter would write that Mr. Choppa, Christine's dad, his daughter was not safe and that he needed to immediately destroy this letter and basically, like, not tell anyone what happened nor, like, try to look for him in any (laughs) type of way. Okay. Obviously, they went straight to the cops with this. It was (laughs) just, like, kind of weird. But the end of the letter would say, I expect to die for this, but perhaps it is time. Oh, fuck. What also came at the end of this letter was a photo along with the address to that person that had lived in Utah that supposedly had committed this crime. Oh, The person named in the letter was actually Cristobal Melkor and was a army reservist who was living in Layton, Utah during the time. What the fuck? So they got investigators from Layton, Utah to go and knock on Cristobal's door and kind of be like, hey, your name popped up in this letter. What the fuck is going on? Cristobal would give a very valid excuse. So he would say, hey... Here is evidence proving that I was not even in Texas during the time of this attack, which there was. Like, he gave solid, a very solid alibi proving he wasn't anywhere near the area. But what was interesting was that when they pulled up, I guess, police reports associated with Cristobal, they found one that was involving an ex-best friend of his that just so happened to try and steal firearms, as well as breaking into his... Cristobal's home. This ex-friend of his just so happened to be a man named David Strickland, who was 27 at the time. Huh. What was interesting when investigators were interviewing Cristobal is they showed the photo. They said, hey, you know, this photo was given to us in this letter stating that you killed these two women. And he said, well, one, I've never killed them. And two... (laughs) That photo that you're showing me was actually taken by Laura Strickland, David Strickland's wife. And that, in fact, that photo was edited. And if we had, if it was a phone and if you would have just zoomed out a little, David was actually right beside him in that photo. Oh. So we're like, okay, that's weird. And then we talked to Cristobal's mom. And then she goes, oh, yeah, I've talked to David. In fact, one conversation I had with him, he told me how he had actually killed people before and how he had described himself as a hitman. Oh. But then Laura came down and heard what we were talking about and then immediately told David to shut the fuck up. Oh. 
in her exact words, she literally yeah. told David, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> quote, end quote. And now, with this new interesting information at hand, officers turn their eyes towards the Stricklands. Because as it turns out, the Chapas had seen a black sedan on the day that that letter was sent to them. That same letter that accused our homeboy up in Utah, I'm sorry, I already forgot your name, but accusing him of the murder. Well, the Stricklands just so happened to also drive a black sedan that looked very, very similar to the one that they saw the day that the letter was dropped off. Mm. This was possibly, like, enough information to access cell phone records, which the police did do. And when they did this, they found that David's cell phone had pinged, pinged, not so long. Sorry, I'm a little tipsy. (laughs) Had pinged, try to forget this case, had pinged not so far from where the Choppa's house was. So his cell phone records put him in... Very close approximation to the Choppa's house on the day the letter was dropped off. Mm. Highly insinuating that it was, in fact, the Stricklands that dropped off this letter. Accusing this... Sounds like they're trying to frame someone. Accusing this Utah man who had not been in Texas at the time. Cristobal of a murder, yes. Such a fancy name, you think I would remember that. Cristobal. Cristobal. (laughs) Cristobal. This, in turn, gave police enough evidence to search the Strickland's home. And when they did this, our guy was a fucking idiot. Because what Hmm. they found was a Glock .45 with a magazine. Magazines, multiple. A Kimber .45, also with magazines. An aftermarket barrel. Don't ask me what that is. I don't know and I didn't Google it. It's the in, barrel of a gun that's um, homemade. Not it, it could be homemade, but it doesn't have to be homemade. Basically, like a ghost gun. Look at your husband coming in handy. <laughs> <laughs> he had this along with a suppressor. They also found Under Armour gloves. Bingo. They, mm-hmm. I remember that. They found a federal .45 automatic ammun- or auto ammunition, whatever. They found a backpack that also contained one, I believe, singular Under Armour glove. I don't believe it contained like a matching pair. It was just one. A condom, personal lubricant, flex handcuffs, an expandable baton, bolt cutters, pepper spray, a headlamp, a knife, handcuffs, firearm holsters, a lock pick kit, chemical lights, a tourniquet, and a magnesium fire starter. When I was typing this out, the way my fingers felt, I was like, why am I still typing? Why are you so obviously packing a murder kit? Like, I... I, uh, Yeah, a murder slash survival kit. If I would find... it's, It's like to kill or be killed kit. Could you imagine, like, just going... He had a wife. How could you as a woman go into that car, see that, and be like, "Mm, yeah, that's normal. That's normal. Who wouldn't want to have that? I need my magnesium fire starter kit for if I get lost. 
I mean, not gonna lie, I totally have that kit in my doomsday the same exact one everything you just said down to the personal lubricant exactly well yeah because blake and i would be there together in our doomsday shelter but (laughs) the gasp that i gasped when i read that i I feel like every time he named something i was just like i had to say it fast to put an emphasis on how much shit this guy had i'm just like bro and like I don't know. It didn't really say anything about, like, DNA testing on any of these items. I don't think it really would have mattered, but, oh, my God. I just can't imagine being the investigator that looked at that. They probably did, just to see. Okay, if there's one photo that I will show you, it's this asshole's fucking mugshot. Because if there is one thing you, if there is one thing that you need to be arrested for, it is how you, you are not allowed to look in a, if you take a mugshot and you look like this, immediate jail sentence, five years max, (laughs) like minimum, minimum, sorry, minimum. That smile. Who smiles like that? You are being like, he would (laughs) talk like this. They also gained access to his laptop, and when they did this, they found in his drafts a letter that in this letter it included two identical sentences to the letter that was found, the letter that was given to the Chapas. Mm. This would be even more evidence to give them consent to test fire the handguns that were found in the Strickland's home. Because like I had said, David had owned a .45 Glock, I believe is the one. And Yeah, you, you can just, <laughs> you don't have to, what I learned a while ago is that you don't have to say like the .45. I think just, you told the, me this a long time ago it's too. It's just like forty-five caliber or... Okay, whatever. .45 caliber. I mean, you can say .45. That is that just is what the caliber the is. That's article says it. That's how I'm going to say it. No. So the, he had a forty-five caliber Glock and that was the casings that were found around Molly's body and Christine's were belonging to a 45 caliber Glock, mm-hmm. a Glock 45, <laughs> if you will. So when they gained consent to test fire the handgun side by side, when they did it with the Glock 45, it was found to be... Oh. I don't know how exact you can get, but it was found to be like an exact match to the one that was said to have shot Molly and Christine. Something interesting that was also found or that I found when I was doing research on this case was um, that David, uh, like I said in your last case, I hate how people fucking do this. Um, He gave information of his own volition to the Portland Police Department, um, I believe a few days after the shooting, he would actually go down to the station and tell police that he had been transferring guns from his car to his home. Transferring guns from your car after two women had just gotten murdered into your home. I don't know. I don't know why you would say that, but... 
Who's doing this? You had them with you out of your home. Yeah. At the time, the two women were being murdered. Like, what the fuck? Why would you say that? Yeah. But he was doing this, putting them in his home to probably clean them and get rid of the evidence, when he saw a white passenger car supposedly driving down East Bayview the night of the shootings. So he went down to police and said, hey, I saw this the night of the shootings. And... I don't really think he said anything more. I don't know if the police told him anything. Obviously, they're not going to tell some random guy information. So he was about like trying case. to provide a tip to the kind police. of. Uh. And then after he provided this said tip, he would go over. So at, obviously, after uh, information of this case comes out, and like every everyone in the town finds out what happens, vigils are starting to be held. Oh, and he uh, at the park goes to them. everywhere. Yeah, he goes to the scene of the crime. After he puts this tip in, he goes to the scene of the crime. He goes to where a vigil is being held by, and like Molly and Christine's friends are. He, one of Molly's friends, Stephanie Chasick, would say during trial that David Strickland approached her and started asking her about the incident and that if police knew what type of gun was being used during the crime she would even say that like his excuse for it was that he was in the military and he owned several guns and like maybe i guess he could say something because like which i'm like why why are you saying that you own guns when a girl just got killed by a gun like that just is so fucking stupid it's so weird there was also rumors that or sorry, there were also statements that um, he would go up to a group of people that were mourning Molly's death and Christine's like traumatic brain injury and say that, oh, my girlfriend, Laura, she she knew Molly. Like, yeah, it's so sad. And then one of the people would even say that he would go and just like kind of begin searching in the grass around where Molly's fucking body was like i get so upset with them like it's just the amount of disrespect to one like you're committing a crime but then to go back and like you're reveling you're reliving like the i know the high the emotions you're getting it makes me fucking sick and i want to vomit into your mouth it's disgusting Oh, I'm not. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm just I'm not okay with this yeah um it's sick on every level. So on June of 2014, David Strickland would finally be arrested by U.S. Marshals and Texas Rangers in, of all places, Holotus, Texas, <gasps> <laughs> while he was at an apartment, in his apartment with his wife, Laura Kimberly, who was 23. I believe uh, David was like 29 at the time. Uh, yeah. My- homeboy went to utsa so when i during 2000 i was just like as soon as i read that i was like oh i probably passed you i either passed you i went to a bar and you were in there like i goose bump bumps everywhere all over the place i looked at his face for a hard second and i was like do i have i seen but he went did he go to utsa before the murders or after he was, or maybe before. Because they I, happened I in 2012, he was arrested in 2014. He was, you know, like, so. really old when it happened, so maybe not. But they were in Holotus, bitch. They lived, Holotus is not Kristen that big. Lives. It's not Sorry. that big. 
<laughs> I'm really not trying to like give myself out. No, you don't yeah. know where. Helotus is like. It's in San. It's San, it's a part of San Antonio. It's small though. There are only but it's so a many specific small area. Yeah, yeah. Like oh my god, it was just. Eh. Um, Alora Kim- Kimberly, his wife, Strickland. She also got arrested. Uh, yeah, she was charged with tampering with evidence because it was under the assumption by police at first that maybe she was the one that dropped off the letter. Mm. Um, she ends up not getting charged with this, though, Laura, I don't know. I don't know about you, girl. Doesn't if seem I, completely innocent, huh? I would not buy you a drink if I met you at a bar. <laughs> I ain't buying nobody drinks that I, I meet at the bar. Buy, I don't even buy myself a drink at the bar. I bring a <laughs> flask and I drink out of that. So, yeah, I'm definitely probably not going to buy you a shot. It's probably not going to happen. Anywho, before the charges were dropped, they would both be extradited to the San Patricio County Jail, and the bond for both of them would be denied, as they rightfully should. Yeah. David would immediately deny any wrongdoing and stated that, you know, another man was responsible for this, whether it be the man that he accused in the letter or the man whose DNA was found around the crime scene. Uh, police would even go as far as threatening to arrest his wife, which, like, red flag if you're a police. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, that's that's kind of bad. That makes you look not good. Um, but even... I feel like, like that's pretty normal. They're even trying yeah. to threaten him, you know? And they were saying, like, yeah, we have all this evidence that, like, puts you up the scene of the crime. But even with all of this, he's like, no, it wasn't me. He maintained his innocence that... He didn't do anything, but... Yeah, he seems kind of like a narcissist. Like, that would be something he'd do. Yeah, so. yeah. The, the police were like, we don't really care what you have to say with it. Um, and I believe, like, at some point, because I said, like I said, I had mentioned kind of earlier, I read somewhere that he had made a confession with them about, like, seeing the girls at a Chili's and they said something rude to his wife or something. So, I don't know if he would, you know, like, make a confession and then maybe recant it. I believe that the jury did hear something about, like, him recanting a confession. But uh, I think I, like, read that in passing, so I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But either way, they would charge David Strickland in 2014 with the capital murder of Molly. They would also charge him with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, aggravated sexual assault, aggravated kidnapping, and terroristic threat which I believe comes from, like, the letter that he sent saying, like, mm. your daughter's in danger. Oh, yeah. Uh, though Christine, because Christine is a bad bitch and she did attend the trial a thousand percent, though she said it was hard for her to hear the details in which her girlfriend's life was taken and how she narrowly escaped with hers, she was not bothered at all by seeing David Strickland in court. She would even tell KRIST-TV, I am not scared because he's a coward. David Strickland put his head down and wouldn't look at me. So what does that mean to you? Hell yeah, bitch. Snaps all Dude, around. Dude, I know it sucks. Like, well, I mean, I not from personal experience, obviously, but to go through that traumatic experience, you know, you're having something really brutal happening to you but not only to you your your significant other and yeah. then you like 
they don't survive and you do and there's that survivor's guilt and then just being strong enough to have like that mindset yeah to do it for like the both of y'all incredible incredible Mm -hmm. it it takes a different breed and like christine is very strong and just speaks words like volumes volumes to her as a person like she really like christine thing and she is i get into it later sorry did you say how old they were so molly was eight 19 at the time and christine was 18 i'm so sorry if i did not say that if I just was assuming they were teenagers. No, I was I mean, thinking like 17. I don't know Okay, why. well, like, don't put me down because I do remember saying their age at, like, the very beginning. But oh, if I sorry. didn't, maybe, and, I like, just, maybe it if, went over if my If Sarah head, my was bad. ignoring me or if I'm just bad and I forgot, I will edit it in there. But, uh, yeah, they were teenagers. I, I'm pretty sure Molly was 19. Uh, Christine was 18 at the time. Molly had just started... Or maybe she had been like a semester or two in at Texas A&M University. So it, it fucking hard. David's defense lawyers would try to point the finger towards Dylan Spellman and try and say, you know, his DNA was found at the scene of the crime. And like I said, it is a little questionable. Like if... um. I believe that they do get his girlfriend, Alicia Dickey, to go and testify at some point. And she said that they had gotten Whataburger and were at the park at around 11 p.m., which is kind of around the time that the shootings were happening. But then from what I had Wait, read... Wait, so is this a different person than the couple that got the Taco Bell? Uh, Dylan Spellman. So the guys whose DNA was found at the scene of the crime. So even though one of the witnesses put dylan at the scene of the crime stating like oh christine like bent down and pet my dog and i saw the three of them together dylan's former girlfriend alicia dickey would actually go on stand i don't know if it was during david's trial or if it was while they were questioning dylan trying to like see who he was as a suspect um but she would state that she was with dylan at the park that night around 11 p.m and that they were eating whataburger it's kind of weird because if that's true then like okay that one witness either like he Had left and got wrong. the whataburger or either like he left picked up the girlfriend they got whataburger and then went back it's uh-huh. it's all weird but then even prosecutors, so the prosecutors for Christine and Molly would go on to say that cell phone records of Alicia or Alicia, sorry if I said your name wrong, but they contradicted her story and that she was at the park with Dylan eating Waterberg at 11 p.m. So like, I don't know, the story around Dylan, though his DNA shows up, it gets like so blurry as to what really happened with him that night. Christine's Christine contradicts the only witness statement that we have really putting him there. And then the only other testimony that puts him there is also contradicted. So, like, I, I don't know if we'll ever get the full truth on, like, what happened with Dylan that night. But the but de- Dylan does know David. Dylan doesn't know David. I don't believe. Mm-mm. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. It was Cristobal. Yeah, David. Cristobal. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. No, you're good. You're yeah. good. Um, okay, yeah. Interesting. But it was really the casings that matched David's gun to the 
casings that were found at the scene of the crime and the letter that investigators could pinpoint David at least being in the area when the letter was sent like that is really the evidence and that sealed his fate. And similar sentences to the note found in his phone. Like, yes on that's... his laptop. Mm-hmm. And like because it was a big thing the prosecutors were like well you never found DNA evidence to pinpoint him there you found it on some other guy and it's like he well he was wearing gloves. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And gloves condoms. that Christine said was the same brand, yeah, <laughs> as the brand that was found in his backpack. So it's just like, and it they didn't. Uh, at least I'm sorry, I didn't get to the last part of the documentary, but um, they didn't say David Strickland's height. He doesn't look like a guy who's over six foot. So I'm okay. just like, I'll tell you right now, just looking at him, he looks yeah. like a guy who's five eight. So he just gives off that kind of energy. Oh my god, I wonder. You know how they only found one body glove or um, body armor glove in his backpack? Mm-hmm. I wonder if he thinks maybe he dropped one or left one at the scene. Or, like, he got blood on it. Yeah, and that's, like, maybe what he was looking for when he went to the bushes. Because he, like, knew he left something. Maybe. Who knows? But uh, one thing I also did find really interesting with Dylan, sorry, and then I'm going to go on, is that... um, Dylan's girlfriend Alicia had stated that she was like scared of Dylan and how he had apparently choked her oh so when I read that I was like okay so he's violent but I don't know it's just like the evidence I don't know it 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 points to me more towards David than it does Dylan Dylan is is still doesn't exclude him from being a piece of shit but he's just not a piece of shit that murder two girls you know right like you, you can still be violent and a piece of shit and like not necessarily murder somebody exactly but it turns out i may in fact be wrong this is editing Kristen here and i am sorry i was a little bit in a depression hole when i was researching this so i did miss this one bit but i thankfully found it right before i was getting this out So in 2018, a hair that was originally found on Molly's body was DNA tested, as well as a pubic hair found on Christine Choppa's body. And it was said to actually match Dylan Spellman's DNA. Uh, If this is valid, if this is true, it is a huge piece of information that can change a lot about the case. There was an appeal that was filed to try and get Strickland overturned the conviction overturned based on this new evidence but it was denied in 2020 but i believe they have made a new appeal in 20 of 21 in order to try and get his sentence overturned yet again so depending on how it goes david strickland may be exonerated for a crime that he potentially did not commit it is the Evidence is damning on both sides, so it is really hard to say with the notes being found on David's letter, him being at the scene of the crime, the point of view, evidence um, being told that wasn't told to the public in that letter that David supposedly sent, it really makes him seem like the guy, but if the DNA analysis that's found on the girl's body really does turn out to be Dylan Spellman's, then... Yeah, this case can change everything. So if I get an update on this or if I find one from me putting this out, I will definitely let y'all know. And yeah, sorry that this is coming as an edited in the future, Kristen, but 
could not leave this out and that was my bad for not noticing that at the end a lot of the articles I read were from 2016 and not 2021 so apologies on that and I hope y'all enjoy the rest so it was enough for the jury as well on Wednesday September 28th of 2016 David Strickland would be found guilty of capital murder and aggravated sexual assault Uh, I believe the other charges were dropped or just didn't follow through. And like I had said, the charges against Laura Strickland for the tampering with evidence, those were dropped. So she was never charged with that. Prosecutors in the case did not pursue the death penalty. That was something that they did not want. And so because of this, David was given an automatic life sentence. And after all of this was said and done, Christine said, you know, I was very shocked at first. I didn't know what to expect exactly. I was hoping that they, being the jury, would see all the evidence that we had and they would go our way. Overall, it was very emotional. I just wanted to burst out into tears. And just to end kind of on this, at the time of the attack, Christine did not have health insurance. Mm. And being in America, unfortunately, I really don't know why this is a thing. It's a big fucking deal. It's an expensive deal. Only being covered by Medicaid at the time that I was reading these articles, which was around the 2016 year, Christine's family was struggling to pay for the rehabilitation that she continues to need after this incident. Uh, It took her quite some time, but Christine can finally sit and stand on her own. She does have some mobility over her left side, but she does need braces uh, to help with her right and I believe to like help with the mobility in her left arm she needs continued therapy and it said like for the rest of her life she will need therapy and surgeries to help with the trauma that was done to her that night Uh, there were a lot of pages where you could donate but they were all discontinued Mm -hmm. at the time I'm hoping that's because people donated a lot of money and she doesn't have to worry about it anymore yeah um, but like if some I better health insurance, maybe or yeah, or like yeah. someone heard her story and like just gave them all the money that they need. Uh, but if I do happen to find one that is still active, I'm definitely going to link it down below. But um, if and if someone happens to find it and I haven't, let me know and I can link it later. I can edit these things. So the family did try to seek a $500 million lawsuit in punitive damages against David Strickland and Taft Pharmacy. Sorry, that gave me major goosebumps. It's a lot of money. I it's was a- like, holy <laughs> fuck. I, like, so it's a, a civil suit for what? Um, It was for, like, basically the damages for... I didn't really find oh, out pro- why yeah, the probably- pharmacy was dragged into it. Um, But it, they were basically just trying to get her, expen- her lifelong expenses yeah, covered. Yeah. Um, But but unfortunately, the lawsuit was dropped. So that's I I didn't look into it that much because the lawsuit ended up being dropped. Um, That's probably maybe a slip up on my part, but I'm sorry. I just like I didn't have the energy for it. This case is really fucking sad. Yeah. Uh, At the time that the article was written, one of the ones that I had read during the research that was written in 2016, Christine was enrolled in college and was actually writing or working on writing a book to speak of her experience that Mm -hmm. night and tell of her and Molly's story. Um, I did not write this down, but not going to lie, there was a little bit of drama. Uh, I believe one of like the former detectives that was working on the case actually got fired because they were telling 
like confidential information uh, to Christine's like manager about stuff on the case that they shouldn't be talking about. Oh, know. for the book. Mm-hmm. And then oh. he ended up, yeah. In the email, the guy was like, I know I'm doing the right thing by telling oh. you this. But at the end of the day, it's like, you don't do that. So he got fired. Um, well, when it comes to police departments and investigate, yeah, they do that so stuff, much like, worse. <laughs> um, like, I'm actually happy that he did that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you do that. You expose these motherfuckers. That's the one time I'll let it slide judge christine also became a very visible advocate for the community for anyone experiencing any kind of violent act that was done towards them and she shares her story with others and hopes to give them comfort and support for anyone going through any type of similar event in a 2014 digital documentary christine would tell msnbc that god loves everybody no matter if you're gay or straight He left me here for a reason. I have a second chance. What happened to Molly and I, I'm still going through in many different phases, but I'm just grateful I'm still here. I'm going through all the struggles and obstacles, but I'm still up. I fall down. I pick myself up. I just wish Molly was here. She would have loved to see all of this, all of the support from everyone. I know it's a tragedy, but it also brings a lot of people together. And shows all the great people out there that's willing to help and have good hearts. Mm-hmm. And this is the case that drove me back into my alcoholism. I think I actually almost cried. The very, I want to cry right now. It's fucking. Like, I, I felt my tear ducts. Um, it's heavy. Do something, but yeah. Wow. It's, it's just like, it's. Uh, you're you're spending time with someone that you love and then for like no reason zero reason so i didn't get into detail about it sorry i am low-key crying (laughs) but it was never treated as a hate crime uh like hate crime charges were never brought up even though in the letter it did like make that obvious statement that people are like and it's not true don't ever think that it's true if it doesn't even matter like what i say what anyone says it doesn't matter you are valid as a human being like no matter what your preference your life experience like you fucking matter you're here and like we love you and you're alive and be happy and like that's all that matters but it's just they i guess didn't (laughs) i got so distracted in the love (laughs) what was it they didn't um like um prosecuted as a hate crime because there was no i guess significant evidence to point to it being as such even though i guess like from the letter yeah they were probably wanting maybe more evidence such as any kind of known history of being against you know same-sex relationships or even racism like they're they probably looked for histories of that stuff and they probably couldn't really find anything it's all it was all all really really fucked but yeah that was the case of molly olgan and the survival story of christine choppa it was very heartbreaking very like to see how close to home it was yeah not only in location it's just like it's insane and 
how recent it was too it's crazy that cases like that are still happening i know i kept trying it still is i kept trying to think if i had remembered anything about it and i don't think i do i mean if anything maybe i saw a blip of it on the news but in 2012 i was very um wrapped up in like my 17 year old crazy party do whatever the fuck I want self and I wasn't really into true crime at that point so I and that's why I say like I think in like passing I had heard about this case but really I was so unaware and so hearing it the emotions it brought on and just I don't know this one yeah that one was heavy they're they're all rough don't get me wrong but i know this one just added an extra because i was and like just right there in that moment and she was like yeah right over there and i was like no no and then because i had to take a picture no No, <laughs> I just I couldn't. I, like, I thought I like not, not to post or anything. No, no, but, like, I, I get at you. least to send to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for for your morbid curiosity. Yes. I just it was hard enough. Even like I don't know, it was hard to enjoy my taco after that. No. <laughs> I'm obviously like I I did, and it was a nice day, but it I don't know. Like damn, and people were still going to that park. It's just and. I mean, those are, it happens all over the world. That one park in particular is not, I mean, like, there is one in San Antonio, Opish Naple, where I remember. <laughs> Opish, well, Opish oh, well, Naple. Opish, whatever. Well, don't you remember when that girl got stabbed by the homeless guy? I mean, like, yeah. and she, like, had went to, not our high school, but if probably our high school before the high schools got separated, you would have gone to O'Connor. So, like. It, it's just like insane to watch and see that kind of shit and then you're like oh i don't know how much of that tangent is people gonna are get, evil if any yeah everyone oh, not everyone sucks i mean y'all guys rock but people are just so fucking weird and it it makes me uncomfortable it makes me feel icky and i'm oh. someone tell us something funny yeah I think I'm gonna have like one more hard case to get through and then I think I'm gonna do a survival story something mm. something nice to yeah I was thinking about doing like a haunted or like a conspiracy uh, yeah these one next these past few cases yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just left a bad taste in my mouth and yeah uh, I know, and all the ones I have in my, like, podcast ideas, like, list. So rough. They're all, so like, rough. brutal murders. So rough. <laughs> so, better help if you are looking for some new sponsees. Um, hello. We could greatly use therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've managed to stick around this long until the ending, congratulations. You've won the prize of liking, commenting, and subscribing and leaving five stars because you just love us so dang much. Yeah. Thank you in advance at RARW Podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you have any recommendations, if they're brutal, fine, we'll take it. But if they're lighthearted, yes, we want them. Uh, recommend yeah. them, please. Make it, it, I'll take a dad joke even. Just a, a nice little dad joke in the email. Like literally a meme. A nice little just happy content. Let's, uh. let's do it.
I'll repost the funny ones. Yeah. At our... (laughs) (laughs) At Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast at gmail.com. Why did I say at before the email? Because we are drones just living in society. Red Rum... Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to reset. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red Rum and Red Wine... (laughs) Yes, yes. Red wine. <laughs> red rum and red wine podcast at gmail.com. Ayo, someone give us a reward. Bye. Bye. <laughs>